Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 2, Episode 3. Today, Lieta and I are joined by guest YouTuber Jess Owens to talk about Dune, the book, and the film. And I will let her introduce herself, but you can expect a spirited discussion since we have some <laughs> varying opinions on uh, the book and the film, so it should be should be a fun conversation. Thanks for joining us, Jess. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Spirited, I think, is the perfect way um, <laughs> to describe what shall come <laughs> from this discussion. I yeah. am very, it might be late or early in the morning for me, but my spirit is here nonetheless. I love it. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Gurney would tell you it doesn't matter about your mood. Yeah, you, you do it when the ready. strikes. So I'm, I'm here. Good point. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet? On the interwebs. My YouTube channel is just my name, Jess Owens, where I talk about books. And I have a really cute co-host. It's my dog, Nigel. He has a lot of sass. Um, Doesn't, you know, do a lot of the work behind the scenes, but that's not the point here. (laughs) And then (laughs) if you want to follow Instagram is said by Jess and Twitter is also said by Jess, but there's a underscore said by Jess because someone dare have my name. What? Um, Uh, Yeah. They don't even tweet. Like, give me my, give me the handle. Come on, it's it's fine. I usually just retweet things and sometimes post pictures of Nigel sleeping. But you know, if you if you'd like, come give me a follow. (laughs) I love it. It'll all be linked in the show notes if you guys want to follow her. Okay, so we're gonna talk. Do you know? Maybe we should start with brief thoughts on the book Mm -hmm. because I I feel like I'm definitely the biggest fan of the book amongst three of us thoughts and experiences like how many times have you read it have you read on in the series Jess you want to start since you're sure our guest so I've only read Dune once and just Dune the first book and Mm -hmm. I finished it a couple weeks ago so I you know have heard from like you and various people that I should like I'm so I'm considering reading Dune Messiah just to have a better I guess, grasp mm-hmm. or see more about Paul. But yeah, so I've only read Dune. You, once. like me, have been told you're not permitted to have an opinion <laughs> until you've read Dune Messiah. <laughs> it is much shorter. It's a very short Yeah, I, I did. I saw it at the library and it was barely, well, that copy was barely 300 pages. So I was encouraged. I was like, okay, that's not as bad. But well, I started out just physically reading it and I, you know, was struggling to make it page past page eight so i got the audio which is like a full cast so that was a gr- experience and i i didn't love dune but i didn't hate it like so many people were like you're gonna why are you pushing through you're gonna hate this book like i can see why some people really like it if they read it oh like a while ago like i find it baffling if this is your first time reading dune and you've read a lot of other sff that you're like blown away but I mean, everyone has their own, uh, you know, whatever. But yeah, I just, the ideas were cool. And it was interesting to to see like, you know, what a lot of things took inspiration from because there's other, you know, later works that I've read that I was like, oh, now I, I that, you know, you could see that where they got that from. The characters weren't enough for me. Like they weren't fleshed out or I didn't connect really to anyone. And the pacing was really off for me as well, where it was like, okay, really, you know, popping in the first part. And then we kind of were slogging through the desert. And then the second part. And yeah, I I guess we can go into it later. But that's just yeah. my general thoughts on, on it. So I gave it I gave it three stars. If anyone cares about a star rating, three out of five. Okay. Liana. 
I've read Dune twice. I read it the first time a few years ago, just because it's one of those books that like, if you're an SFF reader, you're supposed to have read. And I, in general, I do like to read books that are somewhat, you know, the progenitors in their genre, that trendsetters, the ones that are the originals, just to see who was the first and what they did. And if this did inspire everybody else, do I think like, this is something that would inspire or I'm like, actually, I don't get it. This So like we read Black Company at the beginning of 2021, was it? With yes. our book club. And that was a situation where like that kind of started the trend of grimdark. And I'm glad it did, but I don't get it because I didn't enjoy it. So like, I don't get who read this and was like, oh, I must write something like this. That was fantastic. I'm just like, I'm glad you did because what you wrote was way better. <laughs> I don't understand. But again, I'm always like curious to see you did like the first, the original what was it all about? So like, that's kind of why I read Dune a few years ago. And then obviously now with the movie coming out, I wanted to reread it to refresh myself on the details so that I could go armed with t- lots of pedantry when I went to see the movie and be like, excuse me, excuse me. I have read the book and actually. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> I feel, I mean, I feel quite similarly, I think in, at least in broad strokes to Jess, where I likewise gave it three stars. I guess I could see why nowadays, if you did pick it up and you were blown away by it, if, I mean, I just, it's a very, very specific type of reader. Like, I don't think it has mass appeal. If you just love books that get into like insane levels of detail about very specific things in their world building, if like that is just what you live for, then I could see you picking up Dune and being like, this is better than anything I've ever read before. I... And Jess, I just oh, I don't think we're those people. So we don't pick it up and go, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. That said, like, I think it's a classic for a reason. It did start a bunch of trends. It is still in certain aspects. It's like among the best in the genre. I don't think as a whole, it's among the best in the genre. But certain aspects of it is hard to beat. So that's why I give it three, because I feel like it has high highs and low lows, because there's some really Mm -hmm. stuff in it. But there's Mm -hmm. also some really incredible stuff that, like, hats off to you, Herbert. Like, it would be hard to beat that. So that's why I landed Mm -hmm. a three, because of that kind of, to bridge the gap between the high highs and the low lows. Respect to Herb. I hear you. Yeah, so I think of the three of us, I'm definitely the biggest fan of the book. I, I recently read it for the second time, and it had been like 11 years, I think. And I, I will say this, I like I, I was wondering how I would do on a reread. I did still really enjoy it on a reread, but I know I do have nostalgia associated with it because the first time I read Dune, I read it with my husband when we were dating like 11 years ago. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> so we bonded over Dune and, uh, you know, read we and at that point, we actually read the first like five books, I think. Oh, so like, I, yeah, yeah. I will say like, I think it's worth reading at least the first couples two. who do together stay together. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, like if you guys want relationship advice. <laughs> Try oh, it, Andrew know. and I are doomed. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have. But to did you and thing. Nigel Dune together? 
Oh, we did. So good point. Good point. <laughs> Nothing to worry about then. <laughs> yeah. No. So I, I've read, I think, through Chapter House Dune. I do think the first two books are really very much worth reading. The third one is pretty good. And then after that, they're kind of like, uh, like they stop being related to a lot of the characters you already know and care about. And they're kind of interesting if you're like really into the world. But like, I don't think they're necessary. Like, I really think it's the first two books that create like an entire story arc that is worth yeah. reading if that makes sense because i've seen it where um there's been some people commented and said that the dune messiah was supposed to be part of dune and then it split i don't know if that's true but then also i've seen it sold as the dune trilogy so i'm like mm. what so some people are like just read the first two i've seen it mm -hmm. packaged as the dune trilogy i'm like what what do you read yeah i mean i think the first Three books have a through line in terms of following some of the same characters from beginning to the en to end, and then after that, it really goes off in different directions. Mm -hmm. If that if that makes sense, so that's probably why you see that sometimes. I do think you can stop with Dune Messiah, like if if you're not in love with this, especially like I think that is a reasonable place to stop. I do, and and we can get a little bit into Anthony this, but like will allow us to stop there. <laughs> I will. I'll allow it. <laughs> Well, and the reason that I wish more people would go on and read Dune Messiah, and a, like I said, it's not a very long book, but but the reason is that I think Dune Messiah is what makes it clear that the story is intended to subvert the white savior trope, which does not come through to a lot of people just reading book one. And in fact, I think it is horrifying that there are white supremacists who have sort of like co-opted dune and i'm like no you don't understand like he was actually like trying to like in fairness there's other things about dune that they're not wrong about that are in there <laughs> yes yeah i mean I, th I do think i yes i do think there are definitely things to criticize in the book i do think there are things that have not aged well for me it is still a five-star read just because i love it so much i mean i don't love everything about it and i think it's valid to not like necessarily rate it that but like for me it, like it is what it is I, I i love it as a book i love a lot of things about the world and i, I had a good time rereading it so is it the yeah. i i know you're an ideas kind of i am an is ideas it the, person is it, is it the it I, is. you know is it that yeah there it, are a, lot, a lot of ideas in a it. lot of it is the ideas and i think that was for me and my husband both that was part of what we loved about it like because it sparked so many conversations about like mm philosophy and politics and like we so like we would read part of it and then we'd have these like long conversations about things that like it was inspiring so so yeah part of it for me is the ideas also i just it there are things that are so iconic in this like the you know the litany against fear and <laughs> the gom jabbar and it was fun to revisit all of those things so i'm glad you enjoyed it <laughs> We're really happy for you <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> Oh, man. Um, okay, so maybe we could talk a little bit, uh, like, I do want to get into the movie. But before before we kind of do like compare contrast, like maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the things that did not age well in this book and some of like the issues we see there. And then also, like, maybe some of the things we did like in the book. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about the movie. Please <laughs> like something, please. <laughs> I know. I just I've seen I have seen a lot of people picking it up and being like, what is this? I I do think too, I will just briefly, this is my like pitch before uh 
we hop into this, but if you have the opportunity to pick up the like special edition Dune book, it has this introduction by Brian Herbert, Frank Herbert's son. And I think it's very interesting and gives a lot of insight into who Frank Herbert was, what his inspiration was, and like what he was trying to to do with it. And I just, I found it really fascinating and like contextualizing <laughs> the book. So is that the original um, because there was a special edition, the one that has the blue sprayed edges, but now there's an even newer one. That's the purple oh, one. Are you talking? No, about I'm talking about the one with the blue sprayed edges. Okay, yes. I was gonna say there's so many special editions. There are so many. I know. Okay. To be clear okay. Yes. The special <laughs> edition with like the te- the teal sprayed edges. It yeah, is a beautiful okay. book, and it has like it is. Inside. It's so I have that copy, and I gave it to my dad because he loves doing a lot more than I do. So mm-hmm. I was like, I mean you should have this. Like if, I mean, if he hadn't wanted it, I wouldn't have unhauled it. I would have kept it because it's beautiful. But I was like, you should have this. So my brother's been reading Dune and he had the mass market paperback. And then he grabbed the one that I gave to my dad because he was like, it just feels so much more epic to read from that one. (laughs) So he was like, I was a hundred pages into the mass market, but then I switched to the special one and I'd barely cracked 50. That was discouraging. (laughs) (laughs) She is not short. (laughs) <laughs> no the book no. um yeah so what are we are we so, starting with positives or uh, let's start with the negatives what are what are okay. some some of the i mean there are some obvious ones but what are some of the things that like did not age well in this um, take your pick <laughs> the characterization of the baron oh yeah i was gonna um, say i'll take baron harkonnen for a I'll take baron for 500. <laughs> yeah baron harkonnen oof Ah, yes. and I and I also watched the 1984 movie, so I just have it the visual in my head of the disgusting thing that David <laughs> subjected us to. There was but, a lot yeah. subjected us to in that movie. Baron Harkonnen is hardly the worst. I mean, it's I mean, but it's like, one. It's up there. It's, I mean, the beginning scene where we're in the emperor's like court and that mm-hmm. vagina mouth monster in its tank, like that's worse. That's worse than Baron Harkonnen. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty epically terrible. It was fun to watch with people and talk about how terrible it was. But yeah, just his characterization, because I swear, I think I left my book downstairs. Every time he comes onto the page or is described, it's like he's the worst, most disgusting, vile, horrendously. We're like, yeah. I mean, it's like the 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 fat phobia and the homophobia <laughs> are like yeah. real with Baron Harkonnen. We just a soup song of pedophilia just to round it out. Yeah, the villain. Yeah, yeah it. Mm, that was which I'm glad is not you know really we'll talk about it in the movie, but yeah, in the book yeah. I was like, so wait the the one of the bad guys is the only gay one. And yes, and fat. fat. Yes, a pedo. Yeah, <laughs> we hate to see it. Yeah. yeah, so that was unpleasant yeah. to my ears. To to. That has always been my least favorite part of that book, if I'm being honest. So, yeah. like, well, but I mean, as I've yeah. complained every time I've talked about this, like the thing about that, I don't know if well, I don't know if it's more upsetting, but like equally upsetting is just how boring that is. Because if your villain is just this cartoonish caricature of a bunch of phobias. You know what I mean? Where you're like, there's no subtlety to that. There's no nuance to that. There's nothing to like unpack with that. There's no like dark mirror version of our hero to be like, oh, but they might be kind of right. And isn't that interesting? Like, it's just, and that's the bad guy. You know how I can tell? 
Ha, ha, ha. He's fat. <laughs> yeah. He's fat and gay and yeah. he's a pedophile because <laughs> gay people were pedophiles at the time. I get like I mean there's so much that's like, oh, you know, the 60s. Yeah. 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 But mm-hmm. yeah, it's always a more compelling story when the villain when you're like I mean, it's not right what you're doing, but I kind of understand. You know, when there's like reasons and a history and it was just like, he's the big evil dude. And you're like, all right. We've reached the part <laughs> of the show where I bring up Joe Abercrombie. <laughs> bring a little bell. How long did that take? <laughs> but so like, when I was, take uh, a shot. <laughs> I was asking him if uh, like uh, he writes, you know, a lot of characters that hold reprehensible views. Right. And that he manages to not make them caricatures. Um, and he often writes from their perspective. So I was like, sort of, what do you do to kind of get in the mindset of people who have views that I hope you don't share? Um, and he, you know, he kind of answered that. But he also just said what he would really hate is, you know, you hate to see that a villain is a villain. And you know how you can tell they're the villain because they said something racist. <laughs> and you're like, that that's so boring and that's not helpful. And that's not an interesting, what, what does that do for the narrative? What does that do for the reader to like unpack and question things? He's like, that's. No, what's the point of that? So, like, wh- and when he said that, I was like, "Yeah, Baron Harkonnen." <laughs> what's the point of that? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a glaring one, Leanna. Well, so I mean, like, I tend to like stage. when it comes to like star rating or saying whether or not you know this book is a masterpiece or not. I'm always like, for all the things it does well, just the fact of Baron Harkonnen is indefensible. So it just like cannot be five stars because it has that in it. <laughs> I think a fault, well, I I guess this isn't something that doesn't age well, but just, I don't know, maybe in that time period, because I have not read a lot of classic Mm sci-fi, if focusing and developing characters wasn't like a priority, like, I don't know if that's a thing, because I think he was more focused on the world and the ideas than, and the people played a part, obviously, especially like, you know, Paul and Jessica, but I just don't Mm -hmm. feel like they... Has but much depth as maybe vehicles for delivering the ideas. Than yeah. Characters. So maybe yeah. But maybe that's something of the time. Again, I haven't read a lot that was published during then, but I think that yeah. looks like. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of sci-fi and fantasy, particularly written during that time. Yes, a lot. Like sci-fi, especially, I think was usually much more ideas based than character based there were novels being published that had great characterization but they were not usually science fiction that yeah i think that's fair again like that doesn't bother me so much although i will say like i really i really do love and we can get into this in the film because i have thoughts but like i do love lady jessica in the book actually when i first started reading it i was surprised how much i did like her um because i was like what old white dude from the 60s? Like, we've got a woman speaking and like powerful. Okay. A woman speaking. A woman yes. <laughs> hey, it's low. The 60s? Low. And then, yeah, yeah, and she was powerful. And I'm like, okay, Jessica. I think I even tweeted that at one point. And somebody was like, Jessica's a baddie. And I was really enjoying her character. Mm-hmm. To me, I felt like the second half, her her characters characterization kind of changed, mm-hmm. and she wasn't coming across to me as strong as she was in the beginning. Because like the dynamic, especially between her and Paul, changed, and he seemed to just kind of like question her, like intelligence and all these things. Like obviously, he's who he is. But the second half, I was like, no, no, no. What are you? What are you doing? Especially how the book ends when it's like her Chaney, Chani, I can't, 
I know the movie said it different than the audiobook. Mm-hmm. The prince's ear. I was just like, I don't. She was getting a little catty almost, but I don't know. I mm-hmm. liked her a lot more in the first the first half, and just you know the idea of the Bene Gesserit, you know, powerful women. Although I was like, why is it got to be a man that y'all are trying to? But a man wrote the book, so that's fine. Yeah. but uh, that dark place that women's minds cannot go (laughs) yeah Yeah, i strongly disliked that part (laughs) i mean fair i think one thing i've seen people saying that i don't necessarily i mean you know there's a conversation to be had but like i think the way it gets framed i don't necessarily agree with is like i have seen some people sort of read the first chapter or whatever and see the word jihad used and be like it's islamophobic and i'm like well i mean like i think there's conversations to be had about like whether he's appropriating various things in his sort of like religious mashup but i will say that the word jihad didn't have the same like connotation that it does post 9-11 when he wrote this and it was more of like a religious term like a you know a term used for holy war but like it didn't Mm -hmm. have the same social like things like that where i'm like i don't think it's islamophobic like is it maybe co-opting like is it appropriative of islam sure like i think that is an argument that can Mm -hmm. be made but i don't think it's islamophobic yeah you know because i mean when i talked about in my review i felt I'm not Muslim. I don't practice Islam. Mm-hmm. I don't know I'm too much about it. I mean, I knew enough and about Arabic to be like, oh, mm-hmm. this, these are where some of, you know, these words and ideas are coming from. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I don't know if it's my place to, I always feel odd when it's not something that I is a, I personally relate to or experience if I can say if it's appropriative or not. I mm-hmm. honestly sometimes struggle with the line between that. I've seen, of course, people who don't like it. And then I did read an article of someone who was Muslim and did like it, thought it was interesting. So it's like, I would love to know during like that, when it came out, people's attitudes, because more right now, the conversation I'm seeing is about the movie and the lack um, Middle Eastern, North African representation, like in Mm. the crew and in the film. But I don't no, I haven't seen personally a lot of conversations just about that in the text. It may be because well, more people I believe, I was gonna are say, I watching think, uh, Denny mm. Villeneuve took out the word jihad, like, yeah. specifically. So, like, yeah. it's just not in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But even Which just probably a good move. The, I mean, yeah. for a movie From being a made From a PR today, perspective. Like, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> for, let's not have that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even with, I know, because I... I feel like I've consumed so much Dune info or just like watching people's reviews or reading them, you know, with the setup of a desert planet, the Fremen Mm -hmm. kind of looking as people in the Middle East, the spice as oil. So, yeah, uh, I don't know, because I did read somewhere like he was living in Oregon or something and he was like inspired by the sand dunes there. And I guess maybe was he just trying to speak on us going over there for oil? I don't know. I Yeah. So, okay. So I can speak a little on this because they do cover some of the stuff in that introduction, which I thought was interesting, written by his son. So the inspiration for this, he drew from like several different places. So one piece of it was he wanted to write something 
inspired by the story of Lawrence of Arabia, but like subverted and look at the dark side of it. Um, so if you're not familiar, Lawrence of Arabia was a white man who went to the Middle East and became like a leader or whatever. And, and so Paul is kind of like a Lawrence of Arabia type figure, but he wanted to, and you know, if you read Dune Messiah, you know that he he wanted to kind of like look at but is that actually Are good for? Are you just for? teasing Dune Messiah? Be like, and if you read Dune Messiah. If you read Dune Messiah. <laughs> check out the link in the description. No, um, <laughs> uh, no but it, but it's it's interesting because he wanted to like sort of subvert it and look at like, well, well, what are the negative implications of an outsider coming and taking that kind of a role in a community? Like what are the potential negative implications for that community? So that was one piece of it. He also apparently had a good friend who was Native American who taught taught him a lot of stuff about like his culture and things so like he was drawing a little bit on his knowledge from his friend of like american indigenous culture and then a lot of the stuff with the way that they handle the lack of water i guess was research he did into practices of indigenous people from like australia of like the ways that they actually like live in these high desert situations and like manage with like little water so it's interesting like it seems like he was kind of drawing from a lot of different places to to put this together but so like as to the question of i mean yeah islamophobic i don't think is the right term for it because islamophobic would be well whatever i don't think that that's the correct term for it but it is appropriative and i don't think there's any denying that it is and then when uh, i kind of went back and forth with somebody about this but like we all the three of us would say well it's not our place to say whether his representation is you know harmful or if it's whatever um, well, but also by that same token, it is not Frank Herbert's place to assume he can do this. And so the fact that it was never a question that was asked by Frank Herbert or his team or anybody at the time, can I do this? Is it okay mm. for me to do this? That's where the problem lies. It's this the assumption that like, oh, this exists. I take, I use, I appropriate because I right. can. And so right. when we all tiptoe and say like, oh, we're not Islamic. We're not Arabic. We, we can't say. Well, you know who else can't say? Frank Herbert. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, I, I mean, yes. But also, was that conversation happening in the 60s when he was writing the book? It, no, you know, or at least not in the same way. So I don't know, like, it depends. Like, I feel like people come to different places in terms of how they handle authors who wrote in a time when, like, that was not a conversation that was being had. And yeah, I mean, it definitely does speak to the the, the privilege of... <laughs> Like being a being an American white dude in the '60s, you can just like can pull from whatever you want to do to yeah. make your great science fiction masterpiece. But um, yeah, and well, and I tend to think that he was specifically using a lot of these things that are like a real word, like jihad, um, mm-hmm. because he assumed that people, his readership, would not know what that meant. They would not be familiar with it. And it could, Mm -hmm. it would just lend to the like exotic landscape and exotic sound of things because he's banking on the fact that you don't know what these things means. Hmm. And it's actually like backfired because we had 9-11 and we all now know what jihad means. So we're all like, what else is it also real in here? So I think he was very much like, oh, it's like if you use this foreign language, then no one knows because, you know, the, the, the world we care about, the West doesn't mm-hmm. speak arabic so that's right. just a free-for-all i can just make it just a like exotic, exotic space place yeah yeah it's like exotic space yeah because <laughs> yeah, it is interesting along with all the things that are made up 
Like, why wouldn't you just make up more words if you, you know, we've got the thing I cannot pronounce, the Quizbacks Hatterats. Quizbacks Hatterats. I'm like, every time I say it differently. But yeah, it's, it, mm, yeah. So I just mm -hmm. definitely reading it, I was like, oh, oh, we're using, okay. Mm -hmm. oh. Um, yeah. I but it is say, a mashup of multiple things because you also have like the Orange Catholic Bible and like so it's like let's yeah. just like do a mishmash of religion. He said, I'm just, mm -hmm. but and I mean yes. like we have the Orange Catholic Bible existing, but this takes mm -hmm. place in a desert with Fremen, so like major focus is on that, and you're like, oh, yeah. the Orange Catholic Bible, but like right. we're not really dealing with that. We're dealing yeah. with the locals it's, it's <laughs> and their superstitions yeah. and their beliefs and their ideas mm -hmm. about saviors and their ideas about holy war. Also, Orange Catholic Bible. Yeah, no. in <laughs> the corner. Same. I will say, because I've never read another book that does it like this, and maybe it was just a different, maybe it's just Dune or something, but the chapters, the beginning of the chapters, Miss Princess Irlan spoiling the book for me. <laughs> I don't know if that was hot back in the day, but I was like, well, she's <laughs> the most irritating things about Dune. <laughs> I was so, I was like, girl, hush. I mean, literally, Princess Irulan is like when you're watching a movie with a person who's seen this movie a bunch of times, yes. and they're like, oh, this is the part, this is the part where they're about to do whatever. Like, I would know. I would, I'm about to see it. Like, can I read, me? please? But no, she couldn't mm. let me discover nothing for myself. Very rude. Did not like that. That's so funny. I just heard somebody else say that today, and I was like, yeah, I guess I could see that. It Like, it never bothered me because I like that kind of thing. What? But like, I, I, you like it when you're watching a movie with someone. And they do that. <laughs> no, but like, but then it's because they're talking and distracting me from what I'm trying to pay attention Maybe to. Maybe they'll pause it and say, oh, okay, this is about to be my favorite part because X, Y, and Z is about to happen. And we'll look out for this one thing because literally that's the what part. she did. <laughs> like, is that about to. Hmm, I, yeah, did not enjoy that at all. Cause, and I think that also just like, I mean, literally, she would be like, Hmm, this is gonna happen, and I was like, yeah. well, God damn. <laughs> so yes, I don't have to read it. You just yeah. told me. <laughs> I'm like, well, obviously you've written a lot of books about Paul. We get it, girl. <laughs> That's so funny. Mm -hmm. See, you know what I think it is? Is I think I've like read a lot of things like that, where like you sort of know a lot going in, but it's more. I think that's the thing. Is like for me, most books, it's about the journey of how you get there. It's not really about what happens. Like unless I'm reading a thriller, I don't mind that. Like okay. But I would you know? say that those situations where I enjoy it, it's because what the author is doing is a deep dive into the characters. And so knowing something that they don't know, it's still mm -hmm. fascinating to watch them react to the situation. But because Herbert isn't concerned with mm -hmm. doing a deep dive with characters, then they, the whole thing we're here for is themes and ideas. And you keep yeah. spoiling it. <laughs> like, I, I'm not enjoying watching a Shakespearean drama where like mm -hmm. there's so much to unpack with the humanity of it, even yeah. though I know everything that's about to happen. No. <laughs> like, yeah. no. I mean I can Yeah. <laughs> I can I like I can I can see that perspective. Like I can see what you're saying. I just think that like for me I'm I think I've heard Mara say like being like a how reader, not so much a what reader. And so like I, which I really identify with where spoilers, honestly, unless it's like a thriller, spoilers really don't bother me. Like mm. I just, it's not like, that's not what I read for. So it's, it's fine. <laughs> mm. I, they do. Yeah. Miss yeah. Girl. Yeah. 
There you go. <laughs> if you are, if you don't want to be spoiled for Dune, maybe don't, don't read, read the little Dune. Princess Ir- Ir- Well, yeah. don't like don't read the little Princess Irulan bits at the beginning of the chapters until the end of the book, I guess. Well, if we want to dive into the movie, I think one of the things that makes mm. the movie so much more tense and so much more dramatic in terms of like an audience's like experience of what's going on and being mm-hmm. surprised by things is that we don't have Princess Irulan and we Lord. don't have everybody's internal monologue. We're just watching things happen. You're like, oh. Oh, I didn't know that would happen because no one paused the story to tell me it was about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the movie. I think Lena, out of us three, because I think I talked to Bethany about this a couple mm-hmm. days ago. I think you loved it the best, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, I don't. Know I mean, how I, I still can measure that and be like, yeah, I checked the numbers and I do <laughs> like it best. But I think I did really. I, like it. Yeah. I did check. I did a quick Google, and you do. Just kidding. you've got the numbers. <laughs> I, so I watched it, the comfort of my own home. Thank you, HBO Max. God bless. And, uh, <laughs> well, I know why I liked it best because I saw it in IMAX twice. <laughs> I saw yeah. it in theater too, um, oh. which I am glad I did because it is yeah. very visually like. I, I, my visual experience was amazing. Like, I give it cinematography oh. and the it's like you cannot attend. IMAX experience yeah. if you just put your chair right in front of the TV. <laughs> it's like, oh, right? If yeah. you have a big screen, like you can just have I'm, your own little. <laughs> I'm good watching it at home. Fine. Um, the movie going experience isn't that important to me, but um, yeah, I watched it with Andrew, and he, of course, didn't read the book, so he was kind of confused a little bit in the beginning. But he was really into it. But yeah, I mean, I've seen Arrival from. Is it Villeneuve? I can't. Yeah, Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Before, yeah, I love which, Incredible. So I like kind of had an idea of like the style. I was gonna say. Um, I mean, honestly, if the look of it, especially in the beginning with the Benny Gesserit, it looked yeah. a lot like Arrival. Like the like panning out, and there's like all the little. I was like, oh, it's familiar. But yeah, I mean, Ig school a feast for the eyes. And yeah, the ears, it's beautiful. Honestly. Incredible. I think yeah, Hans Zimmer knocked it out of the park. I, I love the Were we expecting anything less? Though? I've heard people say they don't like the soundtrack, and I'm like, oh, excuse really? me? That's interesting. Really? I it's okay that you're wrong. <laughs> you can be loud and wrong. I say that often. Earlier, Leanna, when you were like, I wanted to reread the book so I could go into the theater and be like, actually, mm. normally when I read a book and then there's an adaptation, I want it to stick really closely. I think that's when I like really love the source material. And this one, I was kind of hoping they'd change. They did, you know, leave things and change things. But I was mm-hmm. hoping they kind of sped it up a little bit or like did just I didn't know exactly what because I'm not a I don't make movies, but I was just <laughs> hoping it'd be a little different than the book and it is a pretty faithful i feel like for a a, a movie to mm. for it not to be word you know like i mean i've said this multiple play. times but i really feel like this to dune is what the lord of the rings movies that peter jackson did are to lord of the rings where like mm. you've like zhuzhed it up you've put some more action in it you've made the pacing more like for a modern audience you've got the score and the sweeping thing while still being like kind of insanely true to the source yeah. material as I, much mean, as it mm. be. I was like i remember mm-hmm, i remember that i just wanted a little I, there's just not a lot i think to work with unless you're in inventing storylines in Dune to make it faster. Like they the scenes that stuff did happen, I was like, ooh. Like the when the um little I can't remember the name of anything, the little spice gathering machine thing, it was like failing. And then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, oh my goodness. Oh no. Like the sandworms. I mean, it mm-hmm. was great. 
of mm-hmm. feast. I just um, Timmy Chevrolet's face didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. Uh, <laughs> what did you it. call him? Timmy Chevrolet. <laughs> Mara started it. She You're, called him. Why does his face bother you? <laughs> oh, and he looks. Who who was it that said he looks like a Victorian consumptive? I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I heard someone say that, and I was like. I've that's, seen someone say he looks like a Victorian ghost. <laughs> he reminds me of an ant from the movie Ants, the animated one. Just the shape of his face. I can't unsee it. I mean, okay, I never understood people thinking he's really hot. I don't I've just that at all. I've always thought that he's a really, really good actor. Yeah. So every time I've seen him in anything, I've just yeah. always been very impressed with him. Like, I don't, oh, yeah. I'm not like hot and bothered over him. I'm always <laughs> just like, it's more like, okay, so, okay, the story, brief story time. Go with mm-hmm. Before I moved back to Southern California, my my mom had, my, my parents had been going, uh, they had season tickets to our local repertory theater. And my mom kept going on and on about this one member of the, because like, if it's a repertory theater, then not everyone repeats but like the members of the theater then they appear at a bunch of plays and then they'll get guests you know so she sees you know the same cast all the time and there's this one guy that's like absolutely her favorite guy he's so good he's so good and that like her friend that also goes with them she agrees he's so good he's so good i was like does dad know about this about how much you're into this one actor and i started calling him lover boy just like i wouldn't even she doesn't even know his name i think i know his name now she doesn't Anyway, so then I got season tickets as well when I moved down here, and I finally got to see Loverboy. And he's not very good looking, like, at all, like, in any way. But actually, funnily enough, he played the same... It wasn't... Uh, Timothy Chalamet is in the movie The King, where he plays the same character that this actor played in the Shakespeare version of that historical time period. So interestingly, I've seen this guy play the same person is Timothy Chalamet. Anyway, point being, I thought the first time I saw him, I was like, that's it? I'm like, okay. But then I watched him in a play and then another play, and he's a really charismatic, good actor. And I'm just as excited as my mom now to see Loverboy <laughs> in every play. You're like, oh, is Loverboy in it? Because like, he's not good looking. And I don't think Timothy Chalamet is either. But I'm very excited when they're going to be in stuff because I'm like, oh, they're really good. <laughs> I can see that. No, I mean, I do think Timothy Chalamet is really talented as an actor. I just, like, don't understand him as a sex object. Like, I don't get it. But He looks frail. He, he does. I mean, I feel very Lady Jessica about him. Like, I want to protect and mother him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the... I honestly, because I haven't seen a lot of movies recently, but so I, this is my first movie watching him. Like, mm. I've known of other movies, I just hadn't watched them. And I definitely think after seeing the 1984 version that he definitely looked more like what Paul's like 15, he looked 15 to me. I yeah. Know how old he is. He's 25, he looks, but he looks what? young. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say like Timothy Chalamet isn't that much younger than the actor who played him in the eighties one. He just I looks like a child like forever. 18. So it's fine. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I looked this up cause my husband and I were having this conversation. <laughs> Is he let me I google this 18 19 yeah now. no he's, he's one of those people that actually could be in all those shows that take place in high school and <laughs> right he totally could yeah You're like are you old yeah. enough for high school maybe middle school <laughs> yeah. yeah um i will say the movie made me care about um duncan idaho or as andrew kept saying duncan utah it's like that is not his name please um because i duncan, love jason, I love so <laughs> jason I mimosa i was like oof 
We had, I mean, we did have some nice people to look at. A we had like Jason Momoa, Oscar Isaac. <laughs> Oscar Isaac. Daddy Leto is what I was mm -hmm. calling him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then the father of Bill and Alexander Skarsgård played Baron Harkin. <laughs> I mean, it was better than the old one, but still, it was like, could I mean, it could have been better, but I, I mean, like, well, when they first brought him on screen, I was like, oh, are they just going to make him look like a giant? But then in later things, that wasn't what it looked like. So I was like, I, oh, okay. I don't I know. Do, do you, I don't know if the, in the book, I found it interesting, like the suspensers or whatever. And then. They had it like in his back on this. Yeah, that was interesting. It was it was yeah, creepy. I just don't like how he everything mm. about them and everyone. At in least his house he was wasn't ugly. covered in like boils and pustules. Yeah, and baby's bottom. And they like did away with the like pedophilia predatory. Yeah, thank you. Thing which well, is we haven't heard him his opinion oh. on lovely fade yet, so we don't oh, know. How he feels about his nephew. <laughs> there was no sting in this movie, though. So, you know, down. This true. is a negative. Like, true. Oh, we might terrible. still bring Sting in in part two. We it's don't know possible. who's playing Fade Roth. <laughs> okay, so I, I think here's my, like, unpopular opinion on the movie. <laughs> my hot take. So I do think it is visually stunning. I think it did a lot of things really interestingly. However, oh my goodness... If we had done fewer of these long sweeping shots and like focusing on all the stuff that I feel like they did because they felt like they needed to justify their like ginormous movie budget, we could have spent more time on character development and that would have been great. Like we oh, did not that Herbert doesn't care about. They well, no, but like there are things it. okay, but look, but like <laughs> there are things in the book that develop the characters that you didn't see in this and they could have done it. Like you got almost nothing with Jessica and Leto's relationship. Like they mm -hmm. cut out so much of that and I was really hoping we would see more of that development because I love that relationship the problem is is because I think they didn't spend enough time like really developing some of the characters that some of the deaths felt less tragic than they should mm -hmm. have at least to me I, I will have you know I cried both times over Duncan did you really oh man well done. Oh, okay, no, no. you know what? Okay, so I will say this. This is if I say this, this is spoilery for like later. Oh, I already know what you're gonna say because it was spoiled I just, for me on the podcast. I don't know the details. I just know the fact of what you're spoiling. I don't know. Okay, how that's true. all right. So like, fair fair warning. This is slightly spoilery for like later in the series. I think I was like less sad about Duncan Idaho because he like sort of returns as almost like a zombie, sort of not zombie, but like. An undead kind of. You think they're gonna do Why that? Why is Cal Drogo got to all? Is he the new Sean Bean? Where everything he's yeah. in, he dies in the first, first installment, but gets kind of zombified. <laughs> it's very upsetting because I was like yeah. hoping they would change. I was like, please no, no, not him. Oh but no, he I, has. To. I mean, he has I to. knew this director from Arrival. There was gonna be some lingering shots. This is what he and I mean. It was I felt like watching the. It but. I it was, felt I like watching agree. the original the original Star Wars. I was like, we could trim some of those. And yes. then for me, yes. a lot of the like Paul's visions, I'm like, we get it. He's gonna meet Zendaya. Okay. They had to get her on screen somewhere for the like I, the, well, the younger I generation. To my brother, you know? where the yeah. dude movies cuts off, he was mm -hmm. like, but 
Zendaya's in the trailer so much. Like, then has she hardly in it? I was like, well, he thinks about her a whole lot. lot. So we see her whenever (laughs) he thinks about her. Yeah. 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 I was like, okay, if I have to see a daggone vision. What do we think about the choice to start to set the scene from her perspective? That's our introduction to Arrakis. That's our introduction to the Harkonnens. Interesting. I think they did it to try to undercut the criticism of this being a colonizer film. Mm Mm-hmm. That's and to get her it. in, I didn't well, mind it. I was because you know going in, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be the Princess Irulan voiceover thing." I mean, I didn't mind it. Well, was initially I thought what Bethany just said, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought that that's not that that's not part of it. But mm-hmm. I thought I just think it does a much better job of conveying to you the villainousness of the Harkonnens because mm. you're seeing the Harkonnens. It's one. I mean, hearing Leto say that this other house is cruel, hearing Gurney say, "Oh, the Harkonnens are bad." Like that's. I mean, yeah, you get that they're bad, but well, seeing the colonized and say that these monsters yeah. have oppressed your people and who are they going to send next? And it yeah. does a really good job. I think, like, by opening it that way, you don't question it when the Fremen distrust Leto Atreides yeah. when he shows yeah. up because you've seen her perspective on the Harkonnens and how, okay, well, who's next? Who's going to come oppress us again? So, like, when Javier Bardem's character, uh, Stilgar, when he shows up and he's, like, not immediately excited about meeting with Leto Atreides, like, you're oh not God, like, well, can't you see Leto's better? They're nice they're now. Like, you're like, no, right you yeah. they're like, yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> I yeah I mean I agree with you I think it does a better job of setting it up I also think because you know they're planning to make this a trilogy they're planning to do the second half of Dune and do Dune Messiah and so I think part of it is also probably trying to set the stage for the fact that this is eventually going to subvert this like colonizer narrative and so like having Herbert should have probably considered like (laughs) including more of in the first installment yeah well I mean look people when he released Dune Messiah people at the time were pissed off because they were mad that he did that (laughs) So, I mean, oh, well. well, so are you saying that Frank Herbert invented clickbait? <laughs> Possibly. What a twist. Revolutionary. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Um, I liked also in the movie that they made the actor choice for Liet Kynes. It was like, yes. Yes. Like. They made her a girl. I Yes. I loved I mean, that choice. Very few yeah. characters that you could switch genders on. Like, all the other ones are so extremely gendered in the book that you really Mm -hmm. couldn't. Like, that's about the only character that you can be like, we can make that one a girl. Yeah. (laughs) I, how did you feel about the actress for Jessica? I can't remember anyone's name. Rebecca Ferguson? I, mixed feelings. Like, I thought she was good, but I, like, I don't don't feel like she was, I don't know if it was her acting or how they wrote her. I don't feel like she was coming across as strong as she was in the book especially for the first part like she made her so emotional yeah she was more like when except the part on the 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 thopter or whatever when her and paul like that's when she was like really showing her you know using the voice and all but other parts she was just always like yeah i did feel like i mean she was crying a lot which obviously like i mean villeneuve 
obviously was either okay with it or told her to do it because if he yeah. didn't want her crying a bunch yeah, of yeah. like knock that off um, but, right. <laughs> i mean so yeah, some of this is the dire- some of it's the direction <laughs> yeah right but so I'm, I'm assuming that part of it is because we don't get the internal monologues so like lady jessica is concerned about paul but you yeah. only know that because you know what she's thinking and if you're not going to have a dumbass voiceover for their thoughts the only way to convey how concerned she is <sighs> is through a lot or at least or at least they might have thought the only way to convey that is through lots of crying. But I also feel like that's really sexist because that's not how they would do it with men. Like you could convey a man. I don't know. Being... Timothy Chalamet also cried a lot. <laughs> he's a kid though, but like, but like a grown man that's supposed to be like he's twenty five. You know, that's a grown man. No, no, no. But in the sh- in Paul in the movie, <laughs> Paul is fifteen. <laughs> he's a child. No, my point is like I, you know, I've seen actors like especially male actors where they want them to like look really concerned about something and they don't have them cry usually. I mean, like sometimes they might, but like it's more of a rarity. It's used very sparingly. And I, it, to me, it feels kind of like, uh, Oh, well she's a woman. Therefore this is how it should be. But it doesn't feel to me. It didn't feel like it lined up with who just lady Jessica is really supposed to be. No, I didn't get, I was disappointed. I was I disappointed with Jessica, Lady Jessica. Just the red queen. And I didn't get enough of like Jessica and Lido because like I love their like I yeah. So I like I liked it. There well, was a lot I liked about it. But the subplot about what's his name thinking Jessica betrayed them. Yeah, yeah. I thought that yeah. was really weird that they they took that out. Well, and they he mentioned he says at one point, I should have married you, but like they cut out the whole thing of like the like why they're not married it's possible this is a, like a two and a half hour movie it's possible they shot all of that stuff also mm-hmm. and then we're just like yeah. this is two and a half hours something needs to be cut and realistically <laughs> and, and this the, doesn't need to happen for the rest of what's to come love, we can cut let it. it go yeah let like the director's go. like no let's do sweeping shots of like the the, the, the sand, city dude. and the and the sand <laughs> and cut out all the relationship stuff yeah. we don't need that oh my the, god um when i was talking <laughs> um, to, it's called to, dune not marriage <laughs> the so someone pointed out like you were saying about characters or like little things that happen in the book Mm -hmm. something with dr ua like his moment that he had with paul what was it giving him like an orange catholic bible or something like talking to him about you know not having a family and not having children or whatever like i thought that would have lended more to like the the conflict that he went through with what Mm -hmm. he did to lato and so yeah I mean, Frank didn't give them much, but what they he did give, they're like, no, or they had to yeah. cut it you know, from the, yeah. who knows how much yeah. footage they had. I can't imagine what you do having yeah. to choose to cut that like, I mean, again, it's it's similar to like, that's why I compared it to Lord of the Rings for the better and for worse, because there's a ton of stuff in Lord of the Rings that was cut. Because, mm-hmm. like, it simply does not move the essential plot forward. And you already have hours and hours and hours. And you're like, yeah. something has to go. And does this further, like, what's going to happen later? Does this groundwork need to be laid for something later? No. Well, we're going to have to cut it. But so- here's the difference. Peter Jackson kept in the relationship stuff. Well, he threw in some extra Aragorn and Arwen. Right, but he also kept in, like, he kept in the Legolas-Gimli bromance. He kept it, like, I mean, mean, Dune isn't about Leto and Jessica. Like, it's about Jessica and Paul. But it was cute, though. But Lord of the Rings isn't about Legolas and Gimli. That's comic relief. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you think that, like, I obviously, I like the movie... I'll watch whatever the next one is. They obviously, yeah, for sure. it's doing well. Yeah. 
do you think it's on the level of Lord, Lord of the Rings? And I, here's why I don't, and not just saying visual, like, because obviously Lord of the Rings is older, but I still think it looks amazing. I still watch it all the time. It's just, well, it's because they didn't use a lot of CGI. They did a lot of yeah. natural effects. And, and it, it's just, better. and the actors, I just, timeless. Yeah, but, okay. and this is, I think, why I get so confused about people, and not just people who like Dune, but mm-hmm. the people whose entire personality is Dune, I'm like, <laughs> What is there? I I understand there's things there. There's ideas. There's further books. But mm-hmm. I feel like I don't understand. I don't think there's enough in the films or that it could compare to Lord of the Rings as filmed. I don't know. Maybe. I don't well, know. to I me, don't know is, I mean, I, don't, I mean, there is something to what you just said. So we should talk about that. But I mean, for me in general, I was thinking about this more like when I visited Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland and how. Yeah, it is absolutely on the level of like Wizarding World in terms of like equal quality, equal Mm -hmm. immersion. But I would much rather be in a castle than in a factory. And when you're dining in like the one of the restaurants, like it's called like Docking Bay something, and and it's like on metal trays. Docking Bay Seven. I like Docking Bay. (laughs) But I'm saying like, I mean, it's I definitely feel like I'm a grunt worker in space, but like, who is (laughs) who's is that like i want to be in like a castle where i get like a tavern and that kind of so like i feel like about dune and lord of the rings we're like i think dune is like on par but like which worlds do i want to be in middle earth like no i don't want to be on arrakis (laughs) no not at all and then i just think because yeah with uh middle earth there's just so many there's rivendell and there's a shot there's just so many different Mm in the in the movie like to look at and the different yeah. characters the different relationships so much to like i feel like dune doesn't have enough for me to grab on the sand just falls through my fingers and i'm like okay it's cute i'm left with a little spice and it's not something i would see myself like i need to just continuously rewatch this all the time like lord of the rings but i mean it's obviously if they're going to be three i didn't know they're they're definitely yeah. going to do three it's going to be a huge sci-fi someone was like the best sci-fi movie in decades i'm like is it i don't know well i mean i do think it is a really good sci-fi movie and it's a sci-fi epic in a way that we haven't got i mean and and that is i guess that is something to say is that like most watching that we had the new star wars movies and everyone was like well it wasn't that yeah it was good (laughs) well that's the thing though is like watching this in a lot of ways did remind me of watching the original star wars trilogy Partly because of the way the cinematography was done, but I do think it has that, you know, some of that similar epic feel where I could see this becoming a big thing. And there's enough books in that world that if it took off, I'm sure they could keep making movies and probably would if it kept making the money. But so. then we just have to keep Timothy Chalamet in all of them somehow. No. Rewrite it. No, no. Well, no, he's only... He, no, I know he's don't. not in it. I'm just saying because if we're talking yeah. about like, oh, if it takes off, we need to make yeah. money. The studio is going to be like, yeah. So we need to keep Paul and Chance well, the guy. No, what they, what, they, what they would need to what they would need to do is bring on like big actors for like the next level of characters because like Timothy Chalamet would only be in the first three, like his character. I'm aware. I'm explaining so. studio logic. Yeah, studio logic. This is like a, so, a, I don't a, know. We changed like, it. Paul is immortal. I guess one other thing I wanted to say, I did think it was kind of cool how they imagined the thopters as almost like the dragonflies. 
Kind well, of. Was awesome. That was cool. I was say, well, I liked the design like aesthetically, but all mm-hmm. I kept thinking about was how incredibly inefficient that is as a mechanism because yeah. it takes a lot more power to move up, stop, move down, stop, move up, stop, move down. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to continuous motion of a helicopter. And I was like, mm-hmm. that was the dumbest design. If you're trying to conserve fuel, like <laughs> I'm saving you, Arrakis. I have I can save you. <laughs> Just don't do that. <laughs> it looked beautiful though. It did. I th- like they did a lot of cool visual stuff. I liked. I also liked the way they did the voice and like the the shielding. Like I thought they did a really good job oh of, of the like showing that on screen. It was so cool. good compared to really cool. 1984. My God. It was oh like a, yeah. It was like blocks moving on the screen. I will say because in the book, don't they say that the voice is supposed to be like sound to the person who's being commanded, like something you want to hear? Envision the yeah. voice sounding nicer. Like yeah. it would be like some really and you're like okay but it's like a demon voice i don't know maybe that was just in my head well i mean also about the shielding like i think the because it would be hard to have a cool action scene where shields were actually effective so Mm. they were basically useless so like in the big kind of like the battle of helms deep essentially that occurs (laughs) on arrakis i mean they they have the shields look cool as they're like blinking in and out but i'm like those are not slow blades and yet they are like what is the point of the shield? <laughs> it's doing yeah. nothing. Like, I mean, they kind, kind of, is... of a little bit with like you know, Dunk yeah. Idaho. Like it was yeah. Kind but of, when you but look at like, just, like everybody, from... no. I feel like the... where you saw like the blue and the red that looked really mm-hmm. cool. I feel like the reason is probably to like explain why they're not using guns. But at the same time, I mean, like the way that it worked, you're like, well, the bullet would just wait and hover there. Yeah, no, you're right. It. You're right. So you're like, that's true. Like that's when Leto was like hit, you're like, so that should bounce off. Why is that still? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good point. Good point. All right. Well, guys, we are already at an hour. There's so much to talk about. We could, I mean, I could keep I mean, talking yeah, about this for so much, but um, there's a lot to. There's a lot. So I mean, we 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 liked it. Go check it out. Yeah, definitely recommend IMAX. Yeah, I do think it's really worth seeing on the big screen. And I, and I don't just, have an it's IMAX. Not your life, but anyway, yeah. So I mean, it is. I mean, I was um, just thinking. So like, my funny. parents watched it on the TV, um, mm-hmm. and they were not impressed. And my brother was, was telling me that. Yeah. Um, but so he was telling me that that he was like, well, my friends have all hyped it, and they all saw it in the theater, and you've hyped it, and you saw it in the theater, and they saw it on the TV last night, and they said that it wasn't that good. So then I was like, well, uh oh, and so we went to go see it, and I was like, well, he was like, that was awesome. <laughs> I was like, yeah. It, I mean, it's definitely the kind of movie that's like made to see in theaters. Like, not all movies are like that, but this is one that you probably do want to see in theaters if you can. So. Yeah, thoughts on Dune. There's a lot, but uh, we're going to end there. We're going to just go way over our time. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you'd take a moment to rate and review us so we can continue to reach more listeners. And if you're interested in getting early access to episodes as well as exclusive bonus content with every episode, consider supporting us on Patreon. Huge thanks to all of our supporting patrons, including our world-expanding patron, Trina. You all make this possible. And we are quickly going to do uh, On My Radar. It's a segment where we share recent or upcoming book releases in sci-fi, fantasy, and romance we're excited about. The books for today's episode will be released between November 9th and November 22nd, 2021. And I've got a few to share. And then Jess, I don't know if you have anything as well. November 9th, three books. First up is, and Leanna is probably going to care for her cat if anybody is uh, watching us on YouTube, FYI. 
November 9th, we have A Snake Falls to Earth by Darcy Little Badger. This looks great. It draws on tra traditional Lipan Apache storytelling structure to weave another unforgettable tale of monsters, magic, and family. Looking forward to that. Also on November 9th is The Fall of Babel by Josiah Bancroft. This is the final book in the word of mouth phenomenon fantasy series that began with Senlin Ascends. I've read the first two books in the series and love them and I really need to continue, but it's, it's finally finishing up. And then The Bone Shard Emperor by Andrea Stewart. This is the second installment of an action-packed, magic-laced fantasy epic that is multi-POV. I really liked the first book a lot and thought it was a really strong debut, so I'm excited to read the second one. Then two books coming out November 16th. The first one is Nor by Nnedi Okorafor, a sci-fi novel of intense action and thoughtful rumination on biotechnology, destiny, and humanity set in a near future Nigeria. Always love everything by Nnedi Okorafor. She's got really interesting things. And then lastly, a book that I recently finished reading and absolutely loved, All the Feels by Olivia Dade. This is a charming romantic comedy about a devil-may-care actor who actually cares more than anyone knows and the no-nonsense woman hired to keep him in line. I loved this. It was wonderful. So go check all those out. They'll all be linked in the show notes. Does anybody else have anything upcoming they want to share i have two and they're both awesome. um but they're both just the give me series. one so i can have one too <laughs> <laughs> do, you want me to, do you want me to sit in the chat <laughs> november 23rd is cytonic by brandon sanderson it's the third in the skyward series it's so funny um, if you give me that one to hype <laughs> Which I'm really, I'm going to reread the first two, but I'm really excited. That's his young adult science fiction. I actually team. own Skyward and Star, Starsight. Starsight? Yeah. yeah. I read the first one and I liked it. I haven't continued yet. Well, maybe you should. Yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be a quartet. But yeah, that one. Maybe is it'll be like my Raven cool. cycle. Maybe. It could be. <laughs> It's it's great. One of the few YA series in recent years that I've really, really enjoyed. And then November 30th is Jade Legacy. <laughs> Jade Legacy by Fonda Lee. The final book in the Greenbone Saga. And I am not ready. I'm ready. I'm not ready. I'm ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> That's an Asian-inspired adult fantasy I'd say it's like The Sopranos, you know, mm. a little dab of The Godfather, but like in martial arts. So and you like magic, kind of. Yeah, and magic. Mm -hmm. If you like that, a lot of morally gray, <laughs> dark gray characters. It's so charcoal. <laughs> charcoal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just gotta. I mean, this, you know, mafia kind of deal so you're not you know these aren't mr rogers characters going like on. when you watch piggy blinders no. and you're like why am i rooting for them exactly <laughs> but you understand they gotta do you know you gotta respect that they gotta keep you on the line so yeah. november 30th yeah the end of this month some goodies Awesome. Go check it out. They will all be linked in the show notes or in the video description if you're watching us on YouTube. Again, this has been Chapter 3 Podcast, and we're your hosts, Bethany and Leanna. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Chapter 3 Podcast, and you can find us on YouTube. And you can also find the three of us on YouTube and on our own channels as well. All that information will be linked down below or in the show notes. The next episode will be available in two weeks. I will be here with Izzy talking about holiday romance. So 
Come on out. We may have a special guest. Not sure yet, but possibly. But we'll be here talking about holiday romance. It's going to be a good time. This episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next few days. Thanks for listening.